0: Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right, awesome. Well, Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here today. Let me open in prayer, and then um, we can get into the study here. Father, Yehovah, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for well, we thank you for your Shabbat today that we look forward to entering into it and the rest. Father, we thank you. Be with us today as we look at your words and understand your direction in our lives father we thank you ultimately that your son yeshua has redeemed us with his blood father your very words that were made flesh and walked among us we thank you and we trust in whom you've sent amen all right um as usual um you know i'm going to um today i have like a lot that i do want to cover so i'm probably going to kind of be going real quickly all right, through it. And then there should be some opening times towards the end. I just, there's a lot that I wanna, uh, I do wanna go over. So we've been focusing on the, the cursing of the fig tree, okay? So, cause I know we've been on this for a while, I brought figs to you guys from my tree. So you, that way, all right, so it's not that bad, all right, even though we've been on this. So if you wanna take some and pass some of them around, um, I'll uh, do that. And how you eat them or how I eat them, you can just bite maybe the one tip off. You can squeeze everything up uh, inside in your mouth or break it in half, however you do it. You want to take a napkin because it might get sticky on you, okay? So, so that, because I know we have spent um, some time on this, but I'm just showing you how I approach the scriptures on the sayings of Yahshua. I think it is so important to um, put all in its context. Uh, that's including uh, that of the past. Um, and, and that's what I've been trying to do here. All right. So I know we've been here along and hopefully today I'll be able to sum up a lot of stuff for you guys. Um, so the cursing of the fig tree and the drowning of the pigs are the only times where we see Yahshua destroying something, okay? You remember when he cast the, the spirit out in the swine, you know? It, in some sense, the pigs ran off the hill and died. So it's a destruction of some sort, you know, and that's, I think that's interesting because all, all the other times uh, he's either healing or restoring one way or another. Would you agree? All right. But even with the swine, there was a restoring of man back to his wholeness of mind. We have to remember that, though. So maybe we'll uh, discover with the cursing of the fig tree that it's a restoring, uh, restoring uh, method behind it as, uh, as well. Okay? We left off um, comparing Matthew and Mark, the only places we find the cursing of the fig tree. Okay? Real quick, first question, real quick. What was the context? What's the context of the story where we're at? <coughs> you can just blurt it out. What's that? The context of the story of where we're at. I'm Say it. He was hungry? Yes. I guess maybe let me reword that. Where exactly was he when he was hungry amongst this? Where is he at in the text physically? recorded being the feast he's at the time of the feast he's in jerusalem okay so so keep that in mind as well but thank you everyone so um so let's uh, do this and yeshua answered and said to them truly i say to you if you have belief and do not doubt you shall, you shall not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to the, this mountain, be removed and be thrown into the sea, it shall be done. And whenever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Okay? And then we're going to look at Mark 11. Okay? And Yeshua answered and said to them, Have belief in Elohim, for truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart or have, be double-minded is another way of understanding that, but believes or trusts that that what he says shall be done. He shall have whatever he says. Because of this, I say to you, whenever you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you shall have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you hold whatever against anyone, forgive. So that your Father in the heavens also shall forgive you in your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither shall your Father in the heavens forgive your trespasses. So it's interesting, again, another thing to keep in mind here is, remember Matthew, the way it's, Matthew's audience had a background into the Torah and the Jewish teachings, where Mark, I'm suspecting, didn't have that background, a little bit different audience, so that's one reason why you'll see a little bit difference in the text, Mark has to explain a little bit things, a little bit more, okay, versus the audience that would uh, been in Matthew, uh, they knew some of these concepts already, okay, so, so this, to me, is very important here believing and trusting in faith all equaled the uh equal to the obedience uh to the covenant and uh, and the commandments okay so that's what plays a, that's what's playing a part in here and and i guess the other thing i should say the last two weeks everything that we went over the cursing of the fig tree and looking at all that this is all building up and they're all connected as one piece so i'm you know, I'm not re- going to review what we went over before, but keep in mind all, uh, that cursing of the fig tree, where it was and all those things that we talked about, all right? So this idea, you see, believing and trusting, okay? And that really comes down. It's not a mental thing just because you, you know, have it in your mind because you believe here, all right? Um, I've seen in Hebrew... Uh, that yes, have it there. But if it's, uh, but what's, what the Hebrew text is saying? If you're believing, it's more you're trusting. So you're doing an action that backs that up. You're not just having a mental exercise on that. Yeah, there there is a. I believe there is a God, and you do nothing. You know, and do none of the commandments. Basically, you're saying you don't believe, you don't trust in Him because you're not doing. That, that's the big thing. Okay. So we really need to understand Yahshua's ministry in the light of Mount Sinai, not just Abraham. That's the context of him and all the prophets that came before him. And what I mean by that, a lot of times we uh, we have, oh yeah, we we all, uh, we see in the past, Abraham's embrace because he got the covenant of Abraham and everything else. And somehow we skip across everything else and maybe nitpick a little bit of the prophets, and then we end up with Messiah, all right? And we leave the Mount Sinai behind, okay? Somehow that doesn't get involved with part of the promises and the covenants, okay? And what I'm saying is, Yeshua didn't do that. It's all in the same uh, context of Mount Sinai, okay? So, um, moving, uh, so this idea of moving mountains is something that I want to explore with you guys, okay? Removing mountains was a Jewish or rabbinic figure sp- speech for a very great difficulty, okay? And it would be familiar to the apostles, Okay, This idea of moving mountains, okay? So here, so like I've done in the past with you, and that's why I give you the nice treats so you wouldn't get on me. We have to go back to the Old Testament, to me, and try to understand some of this idea of mountains, okay? So, um, but real quick here in the New Testament, we see, um, here's another place, moving of mountains, and, uh, where moving of a mountain and belief are mentioned, okay? And I'll read it. It's um, And the prefaces, what I'm going to read, it's right out after the Mount of Transfiguration, okay? Remember when they went up and Messiah changed? or And uh, what was it, Elijah and Moses were there? They were on a mountain there, or that's what the text says. They just came down the mountain, and this is then what is said. And and that's Matthew 17, 20. We went over that, too. And Yeshua said to them, because of your unbelief, for truly I say to you, if you have belief as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall be moved. And, and, And no matter shall be impossible for you. So he's commenting on that because between them coming down the Mount of Transfiguration to when he says this, someone brought uh, someone who, uh, that the apostles could not heal. So he makes this comment. Oh, you, <laughs> with no faith. That's, and this one comes out with much prayer and fasting, okay? So that gives you the context. But it's the mountain idea that I'm trying to focus in on, as you'll see, okay? now in luke we have this okay we have luke a moving of a tree is paired with the belief in elohim okay somewhat the same kind of concept but we don't have a mountain now but we have a tree that you should be able to or what is saying move from here to there and be thrown into the sea luke 17:6 the master said if you have belief as a mustard seed you would say to this, uh, it's a mulberry bush or a sycamore tree, depending on your translation, say to this sycamore tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, in, uh, and it would obey you. And this, is the con- and this is the context of that parable, okay? It's about Lazarus and the rich man. He says this right after Lazarus and the rich man, Okay? And these are some other points that are around this section of when this of taking this tree, having the belief to move this tree and have it say go over here. Okay, it's in that context of Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, this portion of scripture also includes stumbling blocks. It talks about stumbling blocks and ends with this and ends with this statement. But he said to them, "If you do not hear, if they do not hear Moses." And the prophets, who's Moses? That's Mount Sinai. And it's the prophets telling you about Mount Sinai, okay? Neither would they be persuaded if one should rise from the dead. So basically, if we could understand this, you know, they're not going to be persuaded either way unless it's Moses and the prophets, okay? You notice how Messiah brought in the Old Testament, so to speak. To make his point so this uh, this mountain okay phrase is accompanied with as we've seen uh, trust in Elohim okay we have to understand that uh, that equals for us believing his commandments are for you today that's what it equals to, uh, for us okay because that's what all of scripture says okay Uh Trusting in them for your life and righteous living is to be understood from uh, from the uh, the places are to be understood by these places that are talking about moving mountains, and I think that's very 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 clear. Because if you understand, have faith, trust, and all that, and that mountain can move, the commandments are right there. That's the underlying. Uh, uh, understanding in that one, we cannot throw those off to the side. I also think there is more to consider with the context of each place the, the uh, this phrase occurs. Okay, each place was uh, was a specific mountain. Okay, because we are Mount Transfiguration. Now we have Messiah. He's in Jerusalem at the temple. Okay. I believe he used his surroundings to give a deeper meaning and understanding at the time uh, when, he, when he says them, okay? Now, let me show you what I mean. I have some examples. But first, I, I, you have to understand, I'm not negating some of the traditional ways this has been taught, okay? I am not doing that, okay? All right, because I, I think there's a lot of great things, and I think there's a lot is true about having faith in Elohim and being able to move mountains, and that can be applied in, a, in various ways, just like I saw the rabbis would use difficulties in your life, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to go uh, back to the context, okay, not negating anything else, okay? I also think we should um, view them in the context of the story and how mountains were used in the text before Yeshua. I think that will play a very big role. That's my understanding. Okay? So something else I come across is is uh, this: some of the writings I come across, and I think I put it together the best way I understood it, was, um, you know, paragraphs sometimes in the Bible... uh, Uh, indicate where it starts in but not many times where it ends it's it's hard to tell sometimes okay that is there you know it's like okay you're reading the story and whatever okay a lot of the times the chapters can be divided uh, divide the thought and especially with the old testament it was all written you know Straight. There wasn't like, okay, this is chapter here, this is chapter here. It all ran together. So what happens sometimes, be aware. Say if you're re- reading something, you're getting towards the end of the chapter, make sure you go to the next chapter because you might have the bigger answer there that actually goes along with chapter one. It's just how it's divided up. So, uh, so and the other part is important. that I, uh, It's been something on my heart a lot that I've come across over and over again. It, the context is the key. Okay, so if we have a context of something that's happening in whatever chapter you're in, okay, it doesn't end at that end chapter. That next chapter might have more of what you need to bring into the context, okay? So, so being sensitive uh, to the context can help a lot for the understanding. I know that's what's helped me. So let's look at the places uh, the mountains were spoke of in the Old Testament, okay? Did all the figs get eaten? Are they still going around? Are they okay? Oh, oh no, I'm just... So, awesome. I hope you guys like them. Oh, by the way, those are from my tree. So, you know, so... So, so the mountains, or, or the mountain, was where Moses... Okay, because I can't give you everything in the Old Testament, but I'm going to give you some highlights, okay? And don't trust me, or... Go, you'll have to go look at these, some of these for yourself. But the mountain was where Moses met with Elohim and received the commandments, correct? Mount Sinai. And we have uh, also the Mount of Blessing and the mountain of Cursing, right? So we have these. this idea of being used. We see it in the text when they got into the land. Blessings came from one mountain. Cursings came from another mountain, okay? So mountains are a place that this... Mountains are a place of authority, okay? That would be the under, underlying idea behind how a mountain is used, okay? They can be obstacles. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, so, they're, they're that idea of authority, they are raised up above the horizon. That's why, because it's something's like, okay, something's a little bit higher than you, all right? That same concept of authority, okay? They can be positive or negative, all depends on one's viewpoint or how it is used in the text itself, okay? Mountains are used quite a lot in scripture. I never realized until I decided to go look at mountains, they're all over the place, more so than I ever thought, okay? And they really are. And things that happen on various mountains and the valleys and all kinds, so... So, but authority is the key to understanding the fig tree curse. But let's read some important verses that I, will, uh, that I will use to come up with my conclusion that I'm going, hopefully I should be able to get to you today and share with you, okay? So I know I, I'm going all the way back, and then we'll, you know, come to the future again, so to speak. We'll go real quick to the future. So in Genesis... Uh, we have another mountain. Abraham called the name of that place, Yahu, uh, uh Yari, it is said to this day, on the mountain of Yahweh provides. On that, the mountain Yahweh provides. That's interesting, okay? Let alone, I believe this is the same place where the temple is as it is today, okay? Second Chronicles, and he, re- he removed the foreign mighty ones and idols from the house of Yahweh and all the altars that, had he, that he had built in the mount of the house of Yahuwah, and in Jerusalem, and threw them out of the cities. Uh, this king, it doesn't come to me right off the top, but he's coming on, he's cleaning a house. But my point here is, he's saying something here. It's like the house of Yahuwah and the mountain. They're one in the same figure of speech. Okay, that's what's going on here. Or that's what should be understood, okay? The house of Yahweh, and then you know it's in Jerusalem. So on that mountain is his house, and that's where Jerusalem is, okay? And it's interesting that we're all the way back. We started here with Abraham. So Psalms 3, 4, I cried to Yahuwah with my voice, and he heard me from his set-apart mountain. Then it says, "Shallah pause." He heard me from his set-apart... Remember, the set-apart mountain <laughs> is Jerusalem, or that's where the temple's at, okay? So, uh, so the mountain of the house of Yahuwah is to be understood in that, uh, that way, that mountain and his house. His house is up on that mountain, so it's showing that his house is of authority, Okay? The mountain is associated with the temple. It's quite clear that we see that. And the other thing is the place where he places his name and meets with his people. I have to add that in there because that's where the feasts all come around that mountain. So if you, one way to think of it, this authority is... He's on a mountain where his house is, where his children come to meet. And they're supposed to meet him three times a year. And from that mountain, he declares his covenant, his promises, his commandments. And what his children should do from that authority. So, and the word of Yadjah uh, Yahuaraziah, son of Amot, saw concerning Judah... And Jerusalem and it shall be in the latter days at the mountain of the house of Yahuwah so you can see that mountain of the house of Yahuwah it continues into the prophets okay that concept is established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it and many people shall come and, and say come let us go up to that mountain of Yahweh, to the house of our Elohim, to the house of our God, of Jacob, and let him teach us his ways, and let us walk in his paths, for out of Zion comes forth the Torah, the teachings, the instructions, and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. And he shall judge between the nations, and shall reprove many peoples, and they shall beat their swords in the plowshares, and their spears in the pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither each battle any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of Yahuwah. Another way of saying that? Come, let us walk in his commandments, Jacob. Okay? Micah 4.1. This might sound familiar. And in the latter days, it shall be on the mountain of the house of Yahweh is established at the top of the mountain, and shall be exalted above the hills, and the people shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of our Elohim of Jacob, and let, us, uh, let him teach us his ways, and let us walk in his paths. For out of Zion comes forth the Torah and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. Two times it says that. Two different prophets. And he shall judge among the peoples and reprove strong nations far off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their swords into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither teach battle anymore. But each of them shall sit under their vine and under their, oh, imagine this, their fig tree. This, I believe, John, you read this last week. So all of a sudden we have a fig tree evolved into this mountain and this whole concept of about authority going out. With no one to make them afraid, for the mountain of Yahuwah of hosts has spoken. For all the people walk each one in the name of his mighty one or his name of his God or his theology, if you don't mind if I say that. But we walk in the name of Yahweh our Elohim, forever and ever. In that day, declares Yahweh, I gather the lame, I bring together the outcasts of those whom I have afflicted. And I shall make the, the lame a remnant and the outcast a strong nation. And Yahweh shall reign over them in Mount Zion from now on and forever. And you, O tower, tower of the flock, stronghold of the daughter of Zion, it shall come to you. The former rule shall come, the reign of the daughter of Jerusalem. So, obviously, Micah reads like Isaiah that we just read. And you might, I encourage you to go back and read all of Micah 4 as well. There's so much more there as well. What elements are we seeing in Micah and Isaiah? Uh, Micah, we saw a fig tree. We saw a mountain involved. We saw a house or a temple involved. We saw judgment. We saw feasts, appointed times, or visitation even to the other nations. Okay? Now, I'm gonna read from Isaiah 40, and again you might want to read all of Isaiah 40 as well. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your Elohim. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem. Remember that's where Yeshua is right now, right? In our just you know, in our text in Matthew. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem and cry out to her that her hard service is complete. And her crookedness is pardoned, that she has received from the hand of Yahweh double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness: "Prepare the way of Yahweh; make straight the desert, plain of our Elohim." Does that sound like familiar? I just was amazed when I did this, and like I go back and I see that was John the Baptist. That's what he was proclaiming. All right. Prepare the way of Yahweh; make straight in the desert the highway for our Elohim let every valley be uh, every valley be raised and every mountain and hill made low mm. and the steep ground shall become level and the rough places smooth then it goes on you who bring good news to Zion get up into the high mountain you who bring good news to Jerusalem lift up your voice with straight a voice with strength, lift lift it up, be not afraid, say to the cities of uh, Yahudah, Judah, see your Elohim. I think that's pretty powerful. Because going back, remember Judah, Jerusalem is in Judah, and the rest of the, the northern kingdom, they've been dispersed. You know, Judah's the only one that really has come back. So at the time of Messiah, really, I see only a presence of Judah, okay? And that's Jerusalem. So prepare the way. Every mountain be made low. So it would be easy to say, I I don't think I'd be out of place saying, you know what, any other mountain out there, be be lower. Whatever you got going on in your life that is taking an authority, John the Baptist, I believe, is saying, hey, Make it level. Make him more. So we have shown, um, we, have, uh, we haven't shown Judah in a, oh, I have this comment. This is something I want uh, to share. Because we see prepare the way of the good news, and yes, we have all uh, accepted that good news about the Messiah, have we not, right? But there's one thing because of how, it, uh, how do I say this? Let me say it this way. We haven't showed Judah a very good representation of Elohim. Okay? We haven't showed the Jews a very good representation of who Messiah was. Because of how and some of the things we have done in the past. Okay? We have trampled a lot of the commandments. And one of the major things is idea of saying that they are not for us today. To any of the Jews who read their Bible and are trusting in their father, and I've met them in Israel. For you to say that they are done away with, they're gone, that doesn't, (laughs) doesn't make a good light on you. And it doesn't make Messiah look like a very good Jew, which he was, okay? So, our witness has been tainted in the past, and we need to correct that. And that is a message for whoever hears. Jesus was. Uh, Jesus has not done away with with it, and says, "Now let's eat ham on Sunday and call it the Lord's Day." He does not. He is not doing that. He has not done that. His ways are to be elevated. His ways are to be elevated. Not new things we have designed. And then all of a sudden say that they're holy. That has been done in the past. And we really have to analyze our lives. And that's why I like living Messiah here. We all are combating those things as we look. It's like, oh, I think we have to change this here. So if I sound condemning, that's not what I'm meaning. I'm saying, read your Bible, okay? Okay. And then maybe in the lingo that people says, if you're feeling something, maybe you're getting convicted and obey the spirit and get back to the commandments. Okay? I mean, so his ways, again, we can't elevate them. So let me go on here. Ezekiel 6 1. And the word of Yahuwah came to me saying, Son of man, because remember that's the title Messiah actually held as well. Okay? Son of man, set your face toward the mountains. Oh, here we go. The mountains of Israel, and prophesize against them. And you shall say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of, of the Master Yahweh.' Thus says the Master Yahuwah, to the mountains to the hills, to the ravines, and to the valleys. Look, I myself am bringing a sword against you, and I shall destroy your high places. You notice there, the people, and this isn't any specific people, Depend, it's, it can be all-encompassing. Anyone who's putting things higher than his authority, he doesn't like it. Okay? So... So look how the father is having Ezekiel use the idea of mountains. Remember the authority and the understanding of the mountains. The mountains here is the people and the authority of the institutions, the traditions and doctrines and theologies. Okay? So however he's pointing back there to the mountains of Israel, they were doing the same things I'm just wording them different so you understand that they're one and the same. And we will get back to Messiah here in just a bit here. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Master Yahuwah. Thus says the Master Yahuwah to the mountains and to the hills, to the rivers, to the valleys, and to the um, deserted ruins, and to the cities that have been forsaken which became prey and a mockery to the rest of the nations or the Goyim, okay, all around. Then it goes down to eight. But you, O mountains of Israel, put forth your branches and bear your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about, for, for they are about to come. For look, I, I am for you. And I shall turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. And I shall increase men upon you, all the house of Israel, all the house of Israel, all of it. And the cities shall be inhabited, and the ruins rebuilt. Then it goes down to 17. Said a man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds, meaning their own Their own ways, and out of those own ways came bad deeds, okay? Or a mixture of both. Some good here, some bad, mix them together, right? Like America in some ways. We got such a mixture of things, okay? Uh, Their deeds. To me, their ways was like the uncleanliness of a woman in her time. So I poured out my wrath on them. For the blood they shed on the land, and for their idols they defiled, uh, they defiled it, and I scattered them among the goyim or the other nations, and they were dispersed throughout the lands. I have judged them according to their ways and their deeds. Their ways and their deeds—they strayed from the obedience of His words. They didn't do the word of God, so it's not. They didn't do the word of God, and that happened to them. No different today. If you don't obey the word of God, same types of things will come upon you. Okay? The Father stays the same. Would you agree? Now, Zechariah, and he answered and said to them, This is the word of Yahuwah to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says Yahuwah of hosts. Who are you, great mountain before Zerubbabel, a plain? And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of favor, favor to it. And the word of Yahuwah came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house and his hand shall complete it. And you shall know that Yahuwah of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small beginnings, small things? They shall rejoice when they see the plumb line in the the hand of Zerubbabel. Those seven eyes are the eyes of Yahuwah, which digitally search throughout the earth. I can't help see a foreshadowing of Yeshua in Zerubbabel. That is... Any authority before the Most High and whom he anoints for his will will not, it's not going to stand anyhow. So in this idea, I see this. This is the relationship with the mountain in the cursing of the fig tree. What we have here is it's the mountain of Elohim versus the mountain of Israel, the people or the authority structure. The mountain of Yahuwah is its thing. But yet you can see clearly some of the places I showed you in the text, how he uses the mountains of Israel. Talking about the people, all of them were. But yet we saw how also we see authority, what they're doing, or what they have made their authority be. All right? So he wouldn't be sending them off and saying these things on them if if their authority was solely his and they were obeying him. Our father doesn't do that. So we see that example going on here. So let me explain. What is shown in the heavens is to be shown on the earth through his people in accordance with his Torah, all right? Because ha- all these other concepts that we see in Scripture all the time, we have to bring forward. If it's, if it's his authority on that mountain with his commandments, his kingdom, okay, who he anoints and all that, then the people... The mountains of Israel, the valleys, everywhere else. And you can see figuratively how it's being used. And it actually means the land. But yet, he didn't make land for it to be empty. He didn't make the world for it to be just... He would have stopped at the, the, the animals. Okay? You know what I'm saying? So he meant all this. So when he's talking about the land and all that, to me, in the context of what's going on, judgment's coming, and he's talking about all those people that are in the land. The people make the land, all right? America isn't, yes, we got great land here, but America is the people of the land, okay? There's that, how do I, we even see that way in the back in the beginning because out of the earth, he made man, right? So there's that relationship there. We are never going to get away from that. (laughs) We can't. We have a relationship with the earth, with the dirt, okay? That's the way it is. Okay, I see no way of getting around that. So the mountain where Yeshua used the fig tree teaching and when he spoke of trusting Elohim was right after he entered into the set-apart place, overturned the tables, the priests and the scribes were plotting to kill him. That's what we see. We're going back to that part now. Going Going to the fig tree... He did not find the evidence of fruit that would come from what he experienced. The last three years of his ministry, he came to Jerusalem looking for it. And he does uh, states later this, that they missed their day of visitation. Again, the feast and the authority of that house and how it was to be run. This is, the war, uh, this is a warning to all. I believe when he said this, this mountain, when he said that, on say to this mountain, be removed into the sea. I believe one way that you really can understand it. And again, I'm not negating the other ways. But I'm just going back to the context of the story when it was said. Uh, I think is kind of uh, very important. I believe when he says uh, this mountain, it was specific to the mountain where the temple was. And he was referring to the fruitless authority that was there. Now, he could not in any way be referring to the Torah, the law of Moses. And I'm saying that, that, uh, saying that because that's what his father had set down, okay? But, I, which I have read, a lot of commentators have concluded that, all right? I've come across them, oh, when he was saying that authority of that, he was saying, that stuff's done away with, the Torah's done away with, and there's a new thing coming. No, not by a, a long shot. So, no, that's not what it says. Yeah. That's why we need to take into account other parables of the fig tree. It speaks of pending judgment on the city and the authority in, the, in place, not the destruction of the Torah and not a change in Elohim's commandments, but a reinforcement of trust in Elohim and not the traditions of men or the, these other doctrines that are in direct conflict to what Yeshua was saying. He only, he didn't like what anyone said, I'm gonna say it that way, when it was contrary to what his father set down, okay? And I'm saying it that way because a lot of times people will go back and look, oh, it, all the Jews did, you know, eh, Messiah didn't like any of the Jews or, or whatever. That is not the case. You have to look at the context and who he was talking to because he reprehended everybody the same measure depending on how far they were from the commandments, okay? So that is not something I'm promoting or ever will promote, because it's just not true. So the mountain mountain of Elohim is the authority, not the authority of men and whatever they want to make in it, okay? Or however they want to sculpt it. Mountains in Scripture symbolize nations and people. We've seen that, as we have seen. In my studies, I have read where the fig tree is the picture of the Torah. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. But after all, trees are symbolized as people in Scripture, okay? So I don't think it's necessarily, oh, the fig, the fig tree or the fig is the Torah, I say yes, but I think there has to be something more accompanying. It's a person, because a tree produces fruit. And that's compared. We are to produce good actions. We see that over and over again. So the fig tree was a person or people producing the fruit of his words. Okay, his teachings. The true authority is from Elohim. His direction in our life. His his mountain and the fruit produced by obedience to his direction will not be moved. Okay? Now it's interesting, I have here in my notes, you can go read Nathaniel. Remember where he was? Nathaniel was one of the first ones who proclaimed, You are the king of Israel, right? He's the first one I found in scripture. He was under a fig tree. But I won't go down that path. We will see all these concepts play out in the story. It continues in Matthew. We, um, we are left with hope by trusting in his, in his mountain like we find in Psalm 46. Let me finish with Psalm 46 and if I, I'll see if we have anything. Because this sums up everything when he came in. And why he was cursing the fig tree. And why he says have no fruit on it. And telling his apostles, yes, you can combat that authority as well. He wasn't telling them be rebellious against the Torah or anything else. He was saying, you know, you can combat anything with him. So let me leave you with Psalms 46. And you tell me if this does not fit in what we just saw Happening, And then next week, we'll go further and see what, they, what starts coming up in the conversation. You can read ahead and see. All right, Elohim is our refuge and our strength, a help in distress soon found. Therefore, we do not fear. Though the earth reels and the mountains topple into the heart of the seas, let its waters rage form. Let mountains shake with its swelling. A river whose streams make glad the city of Elohim. That's Jerusalem. And the set apart dwelling place of the most high. That is his temple. Elohim is in her midst. She does not topple. Elohim does help her when, she, uh, when morning turns. The goyim, all the nations shall rage. Rains shall topple. He shall give forth his voice. The earth melts Yahuwah of a host is with us. Emmanuel, Elohim is with us. God is with us. The Elohim of Jacob is our refuge. Come see the works of Yahuwah, the runes he has brought on the earth, causing all fighting to cease. That sounds like in Isaiah and Micah. Unto the ends of the earth, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still. And know that I am Elohim. That's crossing the Red Sea, is it not? Be still, know that I am Yahuwah. See how the feasts play a part. I am exalted among nations. I'm exalted in the earth. I'm, he's exalted above the earth. Yahuwah of host is with us. Again, Emmanuel. Elohim is with us. My God is with us. The Elohim of Jacob is our refuge. Nothing will be exalted above him and his mountain. Now here, this is the practical application maybe out of all this. We must trust in him in it all till the end, regardless, because we probably will maybe in our lifetimes start seeing some of these authority structures, some of these mountains start coming down and just stick to his commandments. And he says, if you stick to his commandments, you can say, By your actions, by adhering to his Torah, get away from me, authorities, and that be thrown into the sea, and stay steadfast with our Elohim and what he has given us. That, I believe, was what Messiah was trying to tell the apostles. Because right after that, all these prophecies, and you'll see them come together in some ways, that authority did come down in Jerusalem. 70 AD did not... The temple... It came in, and that authority structure, boom, just like Yeshua said. So you can see Yeshua brought down the authority structure that wasn't producing what he desired. So may our fruit satisfy the hunger of our Father in heaven, and I'll leave it there. And I kind of went over, so I apologize, and I didn't get to any of you, so... So what I will do next week, since I was bad, I will open and I'll have all your comments in the beginning, all right? So I know I laid a lot on you, all right? So think about all that, and next week I will open with you guys, and then I will finish. How about that? Is that fair? All right. Father Yahweh, we give you great things. We thank you for uh, just being with us. We thank you just the love that you show us through your son. Father, be with us today. It may be pleasing to you, Father, us gathering here. Give us strength and provide, because you are Elohim. You are the authority, and you are the mountain that we are seeking to climb and obedient to. Amen. Thank you again, everybody. I appreciate your time. I really do.